0: Hello, welcome to Bethel Baptist Church Podcast. Today, December 24th, 2023, we look at another Advent themed message focused on Christ from Matthew chapter 2. You were all expecting Luke 2, right? Oh, we gave it away at the beginning a little bit. Matthew chapter 2 is where we will be this morning. A visiting minister was substituting for the famed pastor, Henry Ward Beecher. A large audience had assembled to hear the popular pastor. At the appointed hour, the visiting substitute minister entered the pulpit. Learning that Beecher was not to preach, several began to move towards the doors. The visiting substitute minister called out, All who have come here today to hear Henry Ward Beecher may now withdraw from the church All who have come to worship God, keep your seats. No one left. Nice little story, right? Yeah, maybe there's a good reminder. Why do we come to church? Why'd you come this morning? Why'd you come on Christmas Eve? Hopefully, it was to worship God. Sometimes we need those reminders uh, in our lives. Sometimes we get focused on things And we realize, oh, church isn't about me, it's about God. My desire this morning is just to present Christ, as the Johnston song said, mighty God and fragile baby, as worthy of worship. So that's your sermon title there in your notes. I I left some blanks in the big idea in the sermon title to throw you off this week. Christ worthy of worship. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, that passage read uh, at the beginning. And the big idea is simply Jesus is worthy of worship. And I want to see the response then to Jesus coming. How do people respond to Jesus coming, specifically from this chapter? I'm going to go ahead and read these verses to you uh, one more time as we begin. Matthew chapter 2. Verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Herod the great, by the way, behold, the wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born, king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the child was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it's written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Verse 7. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined. From them, what time the star appeared? And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. And when they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. When they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Let's begin with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this Christmas Eve that you have given us. We thank you for the story of mighty God in fragile baby and what that means for us as sinful men. Jesus, the only worthy sacrifice, come to earth for man in that vulnerable state. And as we're going to look at next week, that's not the end of the story, But you come and you die upon a cross for us. You are resurrected and you now sit at the right hand of God. As we looked at last week, the love that you show in that story, in that history, in that truth should impact us. An offering of a pardon of our sin, we thank you, Lord, for that. I pray that as we look at this Christmas story this morning that we would have the same response as the Magi to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Your first blank, your first point, what is the responses to Jesus' coming? First of all, we see the response of worship. Verse one again. Now when Je- now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who is born king of the Jews? We have seen his star in the east and they want to do what? They want to come and worship him. And then in verse nine, or we'll start at verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Why? Because they wanted to find him so that they could worship him. And when they had come to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and they fell down and worshipped him. Little side note, they don't worship Mary, they don't worship Joseph, they worship Jesus. The response of the wise men was appropriate, worship. It's interesting, the Magi are only spoken of in Matthew's Gospel, In fact, maybe we get more from the song We Three Kings about the Magi than we actually do scripture. Sorry to bust up your Christmas imagery, but there probably weren't three and they probably weren't kings and Orient, I guess, isn't technically right, but Persia would have been a better unknown astrologers of Persia they are. That'd be hard to fit into a song, wouldn't it? The word translated wise men in our English, uh, according to one source I read this week, is the only Persian word in the New Testament. Uh, Magos in Persia or magi in Greek. Uh, they probably were not kings, nor do we know their number. The word used there, the Persian word, uh, was to refer to uh, astrologers, magician. Uh, or even perhaps uh, Persian uh, Zoroastrian uh, uh, priests, magician, they, they were priests, but they did magician and astrology work as well. They were known for kind of all of that. They were known for attempting to understand the relationship of the powers in the universe to humans. That's interesting, isn't it? They see this star and their are Trying to relate how that, how does that relate to humans? Somehow they come to the correct conclusion of worshiping Jesus. Actually, uh, these type of Persian magis can be traced all the way back. Daniel speaks of them in Daniel 5.11 when he was in Persia. And so it fits that they would seek to know more about this miraculous star that they see. Verse two, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen a crazy star. We have seen his star. Those are very interesting words. We have seen his star. How did they know it was Jesus' star? I mean, I don't really look up in stars and be like, oh, that's so-and-so's star. That's so-and-so's star. I don't know if there's a program that you could... Like, you can pay a thousand dollars and get a star named after you. I have a couple head nodding. I thought I had heard of that somewhere, but it's not like anyone's going to look and be like, "Oh, there's John's star. There's Jesse's star." You know, how did they know it was Jesus's God and fragile babies star? We don't really know. Most likely, probably it was divine revelation. I guess there's a possibility that they connected uh, Daniel's prophecy uh, in the timeline there and determined that a king was supposed to come at this time. We don't really know. But they knew that it was his star. And they followed it to Jerusalem, verse 1. Uh, they came to Jerusalem. I don't know if they had their little. Instruments and saw this star, and were like, it, it's, it looks like it's over Jerusalem, or if they literally followed it, don't really know. And anyway, it definitely leads them to Jerusalem, but then they're kind of like, okay, now what do we do? Some people say that this star was just an astrological event. I don't think that's the case because it appeared multiple times in the story. So they inquire where it is. They they come to Jerusalem, you know, hey, where where is this star? Verse three is interesting. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Do you think three magi rolling into Jerusalem asking about this star are gonna cause the whole city to be troubled? One commentary. Writer that I read this week said it's probably more likely that there was 300 than three. We don't know how many they were, but there was enough that they disturbed the whole city trying to discover this. Verse 9, they get some helpful tips. We'll talk about that in a minute. Verse 9, behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, and it came and stood over where the young child was, and when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And so they're headed out of Jerusalem, they know, okay, it's supposed to be in Bethlehem, and the star reappears, and seemingly it leads them right to where Jesus is. It's not a normal star, not a normal astrological event. Incredibly, God condescends to use the Magi's pagan superstitions to draw them to Jesus. Where do they find Jesus? Verse 11: When they had come into the house and they saw the young child with Mary. Uh-oh. He, contradiction in Scripture. He's supposed to be in a manger, in a cave or a stable. It's not a contradiction. Time has passed. Sorry to break up your nativity scene a little bit more. The wise men arrive after Jesus' birth. Likely the star appeared at Jesus' birth. They saw it. There's travel time from Persia to Jerusalem and from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. And when they find Jesus, this just blows my mind. They just knock on the door of this house and they see him and they're like, that's him. That's the one who the star is for. How do they come to that conclusion? I don't know. That's a good, I'm going to ask in heaven question. But they know immediately that the star points to him and they respond by worshiping him. That's not the only response, though, that we see in this story. Uh, Your second point there is we see the religious leaders ignoring. That's your point. Responses that we see to Jesus coming, worship, but we also see ignoring. Of course, we're going to be talking about in this passage, but we see it today as well. So in the story, they come to Jerusalem, they can't find, their, okay, we know that the star led us to this far, now where do we go? They don't know who to ask, right? Herod finds out. Herod's like, <laughs> I know who to ask. Herod, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled all Jerusalem with him, verse 4, and he gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people, and he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by uh, the prophet in Micah 5:2, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not... The least of the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Who are the chief priests? Who are the scribes? They know the answer right off the bat. They have just seemingly no hesitation. The Sadducees, to uh, use the highly theological description, were very sad. Woohoo," hoo! You see. Because they were actually known more for their denial of things, perhaps than their belief in things. They denied resurrection of the dead. They denied the existence of angels. Unlike the Pharisees, they rejected human tradition, scorned legalism. They only accepted the Pentateuch as authority, so they wouldn't have, um, perhaps... Believed Micah 5 2. They tended it to be wealthy aristocrat members of the priestly tribe. In the days of Herod, their sect controlled the temple. So it's not really so shocking that they ignore this. It is shocking more so that the scribes do. The scribes, mostly who would have been Pharisees, were the authority on Jewish law. It literally was their job to know and study the law. They're the ones that in the Gospels we see Jesus, John the Baptist, others coming hard down on for their rank hypocrisy and their legalistic uh, mindset. They added to the law. John MacArthur said this, They had rigid adherence to the ceremonial points of the law. Their name means separated ones. Jesus' interaction with the Pharisees was usually adversarial. He rebuked them for using human tradition to nullify scripture. Yet without any hesitation, they quote Micah 5.2. Where's the Messiah to come? Oh, Bethlehem, of course. Everybody knows that, right? And then what? They're done with the story. They don't even go to check it out. They don't believe enough. They don't have enough faith to even go or even to do what Herod does and ask, hey, if you find him, just let me know. They don't even do that. They're five miles from the very Son of God and they don't go to see him, and yet these Gentile Persian magi do. How far had their hypocrisy taken them? Apparently enough to completely ignore the Messiah's arrival. And so, just a reminder for us that right knowledge does not indicate a right heart or right action. And so we see the second um, response to Jesus coming, just simply ignoring it. And then thirdly, we see the response of Herod opposing Jesus' coming. This is Herod the Great who ruled uh, in the few years before Jesus, about 37 to 4 B.C. probably. Let's read of him, verse 3, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. Herod the great was troubled a lot, unfortunately, and that didn't usually play out well for the people around him. Verse 7, when Herod, then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from the time... The star appeared. That's interesting. So apparently he shooes away the Pharisees and the scribes, and he goes, hey, wait, come back here for a second. Herod believes it more than the Pharisees and the scribes do. In fact, he's a little worried, you know, if I try to kill this baby, they might not like that. He does it in secrecy. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go, search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. No. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen from the east went before them. We could continue on in uh, verses 13, uh, down really through the end of the chapter. Hear the rest of the story. Perhaps you're familiar with it. Herod does try eventually to kill uh, Jesus, by killing all the babies in that time, that gap of when the star appeared to then. Jesus is protected divinely by a dream. They flee to Egypt. Herod does kill all the children. Then they come back to Israel when Herod dies. Herod only saw the long awaited prophesied king as a threat to his own position, right? He was opposed to it. What was Herod's actual position? Interestingly, he was known as the king of the Jews, but he wasn't really in a king's position. He was only ruling under Roman authority who had named him overseer or king of the Jews. Isn't that an interesting phrase? It's not the only time it appears in the Bible, the name that they nail above Jesus, king of the Jews, in a mocking term not realizing that that was actually truth. Now the Magi and religious leaders are speaking of the true king of the Jews, one with actual royal lineage from King David himself. And Herod thinks, fragile baby, vulnerable baby, I'm just gonna take care of this problem before it even materializes. It's not the only time he does that. He, he's known as a capable ruler, but also very cruel and ruthless. He had many of his own children killed and even his favorite wife killed to protect his rule. This is kind of his operating procedure, and yet he does not know at all who he is positioning himself against. Perhaps a fragile baby, but God is sovereign. And so we see Herod's plot even in verse 7. I think it wasn't just that the Magi don't come back and he panics. This was his plan all along to eliminate Jesus. Herod wasn't dumb, he was doing the math to determine the age of Jesus. What kind of Messiah does Herod think is coming? He thinks it's a political one, too. I thought of Proverbs 28 1 while <clears throat> preparing this sermon. The wicked flee when no man pursues. Jesus is not coming for Herod's position. Jesus is coming to be the spiritual king. The Magi were seeking the king, Herod was opposing the king, and the Jewish priests were ignoring the king. What's the proper response on this Christmas Eve? As we reflect on the King, Jesus, come as baby, ultimately to die, to be resurrected, to be seated at the right hand of God for us, sinners. Is the right response to oppose him? To ignore him? That's probably the one that sometimes we're more guilty of. Maybe not even so intentionally. We live in a commercialized Christmas era, right? Yeah, there's lots of good reminders. There's also a lot of distractions, a lot of noise. What is the meaning of Christmas? Jesus, God, come to earth for man. Is that something to celebrate? Certainly. Is that something to, is he someone to worship? Certainly. And so the wise man display the proper response to Jesus' coming, worship. When we consider the gospel, when we understand what Jesus' coming means for us, that must compel us to worship him as well. If it does not, our hearts display the same responses as the religious leaders or that of Herod, and likely our fate will be the same. And so I just have one question for you this morning. Where is your heart this Christmas? Does Jesus' coming to earth Bring you what the angels proclaimed, glad tidings of great joy. Does it cause you to worship like the Magi? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are not worthy. Even as we looked at last night, your love for us and sending your only Son to come to earth for us, is the greatest example of love. It's also really impossible for us to understand why you would do that, and yet you have, and yet you do. Jesus, your only son, is the only one who can be that once-for-all sacrifice for the sins of all, past, present, and future, a gift, a pardon for us that we can repent and believe in you for the forgiveness and salvation of our sins. And that when we do that, that you would consider us your children and heirs like Jesus. Next week, we will consider the rest of the story and the further promises that come out of the Christmas story that are truly, once again, amazing that you demonstrate your love for us in that way, that you would desire to spend an eternity with us. May that move and compel us to worship you, the only one worthy of worship this Christmas time. In Jesus' name, amen.